In the holy name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. Everyone has heroes. Heroes that you might have looked at through music or sports or something else, literature. We all have those people that have influenced us and that have given us some sort of motivation or direction, maybe just to exist or to live day by day. And almost all of those heroes that you have have somehow given you words, words of wisdom, even words of insight. I know right before my own father died, he sat down with me and my brother and sister and gave us some words of insight. Don't sweat the small stuff or even the big stuff like I did. You all have heard these things before with people. We have two big heroes today in our readings, Moses and Mary. I love the Old Testament because it's very real about humanity's relationship to God. Moses today is wrestling with God. He's not this sort of figure that we might think about in our devotions or something else that Everything is fine. I'm faithful. It's all good, Lord. You just deliver us, and we will obediently follow the way. Moses is a great hero of the faith because he really is having a crisis with God today. Maybe you've been there too. A crisis in your life, something that seems insurmountable, something that you seem, seems like you can't see past, something that is a huge roadblock, or maybe that Mack truck that you opened up your office door to unexpected, rolling over you. Moses is on the heels of the great debacle of the golden calf. A long story short, he goes up on the mountain, the Israelites form a false god out of all of their gold, and they say, this is our god, not the god of Israel. God's very angry, he wants to wipe them out, he has mercy. But then in today's reading, he tells Moses, get out of here. But Moses doesn't say, okay, we'll leave. Moses pins God by what God has said. You have said, I have found favor in your sight, I have called you by name. If you're not going to go with us, then we're not going to leave. You have said that you would be with us. You have said these are your people. You have said that you will bless us and show us mercy and grace. And it goes on and on and on. Take that reading home and read through it again today as if this is a big bargain. And you've all done this with God, right? You've bargained with God. If you tell me no, I won't believe you. Because the guy standing up here today has bargained with God all the time. And I'm not talking about that guy there. How do you know that you have found favor in God's sight? How do you truly know this? How do you know that God has called you by name? Examine your life. How have you treated one another? In your thoughts, your deeds, and your words. 
Have you spoken kindly about others? Have you put the best construction on others? Have you tried to better their life and make things better for them? Or have you cut them down, ridiculed, made fun of, looked at yourself as better than them? How have you found favor in God's sight by the way you treat others? How have you found favor in God's sight by clinging to what it is that He gives to you and to me? Through His Word, through the gift of prayer, for the ability to come to Him with all of the messes and the problems that you face, from the little things to the ginormous things. How do you know you have favor with God? The second hero that we have today is Mary. Uh Uh-oh. Lutherans talking about Mary. That already sounds a little Roman Catholic, maybe across the street there, Pastor. But here's the thing. Luther's church that he preached at was called St. Mary's. Luther speaks about Mary all the time. Our confessions call her the mother of God. Mary is not just sort of some random person that God chose. She is the mother of Jesus. She is the one who carried your Savior for nine months, gave birth to Him, and raised Him. I think we should look at her as a hero. But Mary's problem doesn't seem near the problem of Moses today. Moses has a crisis with himself and with his people and everything else that's gone on. He has been up on the mountain with God. He has heard the trumpet. He has seen the smoke. He has seen God face to face so much that he has to veil his face when he comes down the hill. And Mary's at a wedding. They have no wine. Like that's a crisis of faith or an earth-shattering issue. But here's the key. As somebody pointed out in Bible class, rightly so today, and I really hadn't thought about mentioning this, but now I will because that's how the Spirit of God works. It doesn't matter what the problem is. It could be this crisis of faith, crisis of not knowing what God is doing, or it could be the crisis that you're trying to figure out the small stuff. The big stuff, the small stuff. And Mary goes to Jesus and she simply says they have no wine. This is not Moses wrestling with God. This is Mary looking to her son. And she's really not even asking a question. She's saying simply this, they have no wine, Jesus. And Jesus today responds to her, not in your bulletin reading today. That's sort of a bad translation. He doesn't sit there and say, oh, woman, to where our heckles get up and say, you can't talk to a woman like that. First off, that idea of woman is man. He has respect for his mother, man. And he also doesn't say, what does this have to do with me? He says, What of this and what of that? Meaning this, what can you do about this? I can do about this. Think about it that way. Think about it in many ways of what Jesus is looking at with all of the big and little stuff with you. What of this? What of that? 
you can't handle this, I will. But here's what I think is, uh, uh, what else is a great point about Mary being this hero. These last words here today of Mary are it. We don't ever hear her speak again in the New Testament. We don't hear any other words. And what are Mary's last words to you and to me? Do whatever he tells you to do. This is my son. He's the savior of the world. He is the one that angels rejoiced over in heaven. He is the one that shepherds came and bowed down. He is the one that the magi came and visited. He is the one that I saw go to the temple and say that he has to be in his father's house. He is the one that I saw do all of these things and I pondered him up in my heart and I have myself rejoiced. He is the one that the angel Gabriel told me. He is the one that the angel told my husband Joseph that his name would be Jesus because he would rescue people from their sins and save them. Yeah, do whatever he tells you to do. What's marvelous about this is that Mary is not just saying that to the servants today or the slaves at the wedding. She's saying this to you and to me today. I firmly believe that these are the last words of Mary because Mary is handing off Jesus to you. She's getting out of the way, so to say. She's still there. She still lingers around. She sees her son die. But yet, she's handing him off to you in the church. Last Sunday, we heard about the the uh, baptism of Jesus. Prior to that, we've heard about John the Baptist saying, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John is handing off Jesus to the world. Here's now your Savior. He's the last great prophet. And now Mary is handing off her son to you so that he would become your bridegroom, so that you would have his salvation. But here's the thing. What would Jesus have you do? You may remember back in the 90s, there was a huge trend of little bracelets, WWJD. I got those in college from some people on the streets. What would Jesus do? And it was sort of a question that, yeah, it probably was not a bad thing. But we as sinful human beings turned it around to basically suit whatever we might want. What would Jesus do? Would he have the turkey or the burger? Which one's more healthy? What would Jesus eat? What would Jesus do in terms of voting? Would Jesus vote for this party or that party, this person or that person? What would Jesus do? Well, Jesus would give me a car. That's what I said in college when I didn't have my car. Is this really how we've looked at Jesus? The great magician in the sky, the genie that if we look at and say, hey, what would you do? And he'll just, well, there you go. No, not at all. What of this? What of that? 
don't water down the Son of God. Don't water down what it is that He has had, what He has done for you. And by all means, don't take what Mary says here today, do whatever He tells you to do, as if now you have to live as great, moral, upright beings who are truly showing everybody that you're saved and truly making the right decisions and doing everything perfectly because you're good little Christians. That's not the case. You wrestle with God. I wrestle with God. You ask the questions, are you going to go with me the rest of my life or not? Everything has sort of fallen apart. And we come in the church Sundays, Wednesdays, or whatever else it is. And we don't really speak this way, do we? Hey, good morning, Pastor. How are you? I'm great. I'm fantastic. In my mind, I don't want to be here right now. It's too cold. Hey, good morning, member of the church. How are you? Oh, I'm fine, Pastor. Everything's great. Even though my life is a mess, my relationships are bad, My health is bad. I'm worried about the economy or whatever else. You and I wrestle with God internally. But yet Paul also says that we are to bear with one another in their burdens. We rejoice when one rejoices. We have sorrow and grief when one has sorrow and grief. That's what Jesus would have us do. Take care of one another. Be honest with one another. But what else would he have us do? Be baptized. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why? As Paul says, you have been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised Jesus from the dead. That's given to you. You've died to sin. You've died to this world. You have died to all of the problems and the messes of this life that consume you, that cripple you, that make you ask the questions of God. And if you've died, died to sin, what bigger problems do you have to face? What bigger issues do you have to face? Really none. Paul, we also hear this. So then those who had received his word were baptized, and that day there were about 3,000 souls. That's the early church, Acts chapter 2. That's what they started off with. What else would Jesus have us do? Confess our sins. Confess that we have not found favor in his sight by what we have thought, said, and done. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Man, wouldn't it be nice amidst all the problems to have some relief and refreshing refreshment? Yeah. But when we internalize all these things that we've done, when they terrify us, when we are ashamed of these things and we keep them to ourselves, we don't bring them to the light of Christ, the light that the darkness cannot overcome. What else would he have us do? Be in the scriptures, the holy scriptures. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Imagine that for your heart. God actually knowing where you're at in life. God actually knowing your struggles, your frustrations, your shame, and everything else that we could dogpile onto him. And he speaks to you to comfort you, to soothe you, to forgive you, and to strengthen you. This is amazing stuff. Do whatever he tells you to do, says mom. What else would he have us do? Pray. Speak to him. That's what Moses was doing today. If you're not going to go with us, we're not going anywhere. I'm going to hold you to what you've said. If I've found favor in your sight, if you have called me by name, if you have said I'll go with you wherever you go, then you better do it because your word has said so. And in your life of prayer... We can take the word of God and hold it to him as well. Not arrogantly and flippantly, but to say to him, and maybe it's over and over again, give me relief. Give me forgiveness. Give me a calming spirit. Give me peace. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Imagine that. Moses in Exodus says that he gets to speak to God man to man, face to face. And now there is no one between you and speaking to the throne room of heaven. In fact, even when you don't want to speak to God, Jesus is praying on your behalf. Well, I hope he's saying some stuff that really benefits me. I hope he understands where I'm at in life and what I'm worried about. I think it's okay. What of this? What of that? That's where Moses is at, and that's where God is at. And you'll notice what God says to Moses. What I have said, I will do. I will give you refreshment. I will give you peace. I will give you rest, because I have called you by name, and I have found, you have found favor in my sight. Yes, because I'm Moses. No, because I am gracious and merciful to you. That's how you find favor in God's sight. Not by what you do or what kind of airs you put on that, hey, we're happy-go-lucky Christians. You find favor in God's sight because you know that you can't do anything to earn his favor. You can't say, do, or think anything that will make him now pleased with you. The Son of God, born of Mary does it for you. And not only does he do it for you, he doesn't do this to say, now follow my example. He gives to you his life. It is now no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And Paul even says this as well. Not only do you have the faith in Christ, but God gives you the faith of Christ, given to you. All the days of your life, through the times of joy, the time of sorrow, the times of peace, to the times of utter chaos. 
And he will continue to do that. Do whatever he tells you to do. You know where this is going, right? Pastor, be quiet. Get out of the way. Let Jesus feed us. This is the great marriage feast of the Lamb and His kingdom which has no end. Right before you, the body and blood of Jesus Christ becoming one with you as you partake of this Holy Eucharist today. And it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter necessarily what you're struggling with. If you think you're okay, you think you're good, think you really haven't done anything, maybe you don't come up. But if you're struggling, if you're wrestling, if you're really anxious, if you're concerned, if you're ashamed, if you feel guilty, then come. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. It's right there. Do whatever he tells you. Gift, 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 gift. Love, 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 love. Forgiveness all over the place. Do whatever he tells you to do. Love one another as I have loved you. That's what Jesus says. And that's what Jesus leaves us with. But it is only because of all of the blessings, forgiveness, life, and salvation that he has poured into you. Those people that you're annoyed with, God will give you peace and patience. Those people that you're struggling to forgive, God will forgive you and strengthen your faith to forgive them as well. Those people that you see down and out and destitute and in need, He will give you the gifts and abilities when and where you need them to take care of them. Those people who have sorrow, who are overwhelmed by the many things in life, He will give you ears to simply listen He has given you a mouth to pray for them. It's not that complicated because Jesus is the one doing it in and through you. Do whatever he tells you to do. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough cares of its own. Sufficient is the evil you face today, says Jesus. Do whatever he tells you to do. He's my son. What of this? What of that? It's all taken care of. It's all paid for. It's all given freely to you this day. Because these two wonderful heroes of the faith are not sitting there today saying, Hey, follow our example. We're great and mighty heroes of the faith. They're just like you and me. Big problems, little problems, everything in between. But just like you, just like Moses and Mary, the Son of God has come for you and has shed his blood for you. He has died and he has risen for you so that no matter what you face in this life, 
There is that great, great wedding feast prepared for you since the foundation of the world by which you have a seat. Because Jesus has said, what of this, what of that? Come, you who are blessed by my Father, receive the inheritance prepared for you since the foundation of the world. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.